That was Abigail, my daughter. <laughs> that was awesome. I was nervous for you, but that was awesome, baby. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been a lot of changes. I mean, we're in the sermon series right now, The God Who Is uh, There, and we're in this final sermon uh, of God Unchanging. And I'm just kind of reflecting this week. Let me get my Bible open. Uh, reflecting this week on how much we just change as people, right? Um, Abigail had a big week this week. She, this is her first time reading scripture. It was awesome. She's been practicing all week. Um, she lost her tooth this week. So she's been on a roll. We went to a, a father-daughter dance, and, and it was just a really awesome week. And as I've just kind of been thinking about God unchanging, um, I just realized how much uh, I grasp at that. And just taking Abigail to the, the father-daughter dance, I was just kind of basking in this reality that she's not going to be little for much longer. And like just for reading the scripture, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's growing up. Um, and it gets me emotional because I want her to stay the same. But I know that's, that's not going to happen for me. And I think we all can kind of feel that. Like we, we, we can tend to think about a, a time in our life that maybe it was, it was really good at that time. Maybe it was just it brought you a lot of uh, good feelings, and uh, we can really just grasp onto that. Like, we like things to stay the same. We, we like things to be unchanging, uh, and our hearts go towards that. So, by the way, my name's Tim. I didn't even introduce myself. Hi, Tim. Hi. Hi Tim. Hey. Hello, everybody. Um, and we're wrapping this six-week sermon series up. It's been six weeks. We've been going over the incommunicable Say that five times. Incommunicable attributes of God, which is specifically his attributes that uh, obtain to him and not us. It's how he's completely different than us. Um, and I know for me personally, like I was just saying, just meditating on this specific topic, uh, but just this entire sermon series has been awesomely uh, challenging. Just diving into who God is and how he's just not like us, it, it makes me feel like this big, this big. And so far we've covered uh, God independent, God transcendent, uh, God almighty, God all-knowing, and God everywhere. And I'm, I'm hoping as we go through this sermon that we'll see how all of these attributes link up, they connect with God being unchanging. They have to. Um, so again, here are my uh, main points for today. He's going to put it on the slide. Uh, the big idea is the rock of our salvation, the rock of our salvation, that's God is the rock. Uh, my first point is God of infinite sameness, the God of infinite sameness. And my second point is our unchanging hope, our unchanging hope. So let's just dive right into my first point, God of infinite sameness. And we're going to read again from the book of Malachi 3.6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, or therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. So we have to describe what this unchanging means. What does this mean for us? And I've got a couple definitions. The first one is from Stephen Chernock, and he defines God's immutability. See, I've said this word so many times today, or and yesterday I was kind of looking at it, and I'm like, immutability. Immobility. Um, 
And that simply means God unchanging. And this is what he says. He wants nothing. He loses nothing. But does uniformly exist by himself without any new creature, new thoughts, new will, new purpose, or new place. Wayne Grudem, uh, he's a a theological uh, theologian, he wrote the book on systematic theology, says this, and we got a slide right up here. We can define the unchangeableness of God as follows. God is, as, God is unchanging in his being, perfections, purpose, his promises, yet, get, yet God does act and feel emotions, and he acts and feels differently in response to different situations. You see, Throughout scripture, it speaks of a God who does not change. He is the rock of us, our salvation. Uh, his love endures forever. His character is fixed. His plans remain steady and his promises remain firm. Psalm 18.31 says this. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? From the Old Testament to the New Testament, he is the same. None of his attributes can be increased or decreased because each is unchanging. Our actions, good or bad, can either add or diminish to his glory. He cannot become more holy or less steadfast. He simply is forever. He simply is unchanging. He's immutable. The God who was is the God who is. The God who is is the God who is to come. And the God who is to come is the God who is. He's immutable, not just unchanging, but incapable of any sort of change. Psalms 102, 25 through 27 says this. Of you, O Lord, or of old, you lay the foundation of earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you endure. They will wear out like a garment. You change them like a robe. And they will pass away, but you are the same. And your years have no end. God exists before the heaven and before earth was, were even created or even thought of. God is... Uh, he causes the universe to change. But in contrast to him, he's unchangeable. He is the rock that endures forever. Forever unchanging. Forever immutable. So when we think of God unchanging, God being immutable, we have to realize that if God is God, he has to be unchanging. He has to be immutable. It's a necessary quality of him. Uh, Herman Bravenick, I said that, I chopped that name up. Uh, Herman Bravenick, who's a, another theologian, um, says this, if God were not immutable, he would not be God. God's name is being, and it, his name is an unalterable name. All that changes ceases to be what it was. But true being belongs to him who does not change. So there's three areas, or two specific areas I want to look at with God unchanging. His being and his perfections and his purpose and promises. His being and perfections. Let's look at this. So in God's being, his character, it's simply what? It's love. 
it's mercy, it's grace, but it's also the things that we don't like to think of. It's wrath within his being, his judgment on sin. This is God's character, it's in his being, it's unchanging, it's perfect. And we looked at his perfections, this is the whole, the whole sermon series we've been go, going over. All his attributes are unchanging and they have to be. And now we're, let's go through this really quickly. God independent. That God needs nothing to complete himself. He's fully satisfied with himself. He doesn't need us. Welcome to church. He doesn't need us to complete himself. But yet he chooses. Because if God needed anything, he wouldn't be independent and thus he would eliminate himself from being God unchanging. He would need something. He doesn't. God transcendent. We went over that uh, five weeks ago about. And that's just, God is not part of his created world. He's above and beyond it. We read the scripture on that, that he makes the stars with his fingertips. He is separate from the created world, but he's still part of it. It's, <laughs> it's hard to grasp. But he has to be transcendent. It's in, within who he is. God Almighty, his power has no limits. There is nothing outside of his control. He has the power to do anything he pleases whenever he wants to do it and whenever he wants to do it. His power is limitless. This is unchanging. God is all-knowing that he has full knowledge of everything all the time. He knows your past, your present, your future. He has full knowledge. He cannot learn because he knows all things. If he was not all-knowing, then it would mean that he would need some kind of information to understand something, which that simply isn't it. He is unchanging in this. God everywhere. He's in every single place we can imagine. Like he's not just here, but he's everywhere. He's in outer space. It says his presence is in every aspect of this world. There's nowhere we can hide from him. There's nowhere we can go. He is always present. And that's challenging for us too, because uh, that means that he sees us in our deepest sins or even the things that we try to hide from him. We can't hide from him because he's literally everywhere. This is unchanging. So what is his, his purpose and his promises are unchanging. Once God has determined that he'll bring something about, this proposal is unchanging. And it will be achieved. In fact, God claims through Isaiah this, that he is like nobody else. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11 says this, I am God and there is none like me declaring the end to the beginning and from ancient times things yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. God is unchanging. He will fulfill everything he sets out to fulfill. <coughs> God is unchanging in his promises, in his promises. Once he has promised something, he will not be unfaithful, and he will seek that out. God is not a man 
that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent? Has he said and will not do it? Or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? That's from numbers. He is unchanging within this. He sets out to do something. He will conquer what he's going to do. The gospel itself. The story of, of Christ, the story of the redemptive purpose of what the gospel is, is, uh, is bound up in the idea of immutability. We need God to stay the same. We need him to stay the same. Our great hope of salvation lies in him remaining exactly as he says he's going to be and doing exactly what he says he's going to do. That he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. That there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. All pain will pass away. This is a promise. That he will destroy evil in this world. Man, we see this all around us. Evil is real and it's throughout our world. That he's going to take care of that. That he will restore all things and make all things new. That Jesus is coming back, y'all. Like, that's amazing. He says, I'm coming back. Like, oh, gosh, come on, Lord. Like, come on. He's coming back. That's awesome. That's something to be excited about. He promises, and he will fulfill it. And as long as his infinite sameness endures, God will not change his mind about setting his love on us. We cannot commit a future sin that will change his verdict because his verdict was passed. Uh, his verdict was passed with every sin, past, present, and future. Like you are saved through Jesus, you are saved through God, and who pronounce whom he pronounces righteous will always be righteous. Nothing we could do can remove us from the seal that has promised redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing can take us away from his hands. Nothing can separate us from the unfailing, unchanging love of this great God. The rock on which our salvation is built upon. So I think of, uh, let me try to think of a, an illustration here for us to kind of grasp onto. And the best thing I could think of, which isn't that great, is a car axle. Okay? So let's think of a car axle and a wheel. The car axle is the fixed point, right? The wheel has faith that the axle is going to do its job. The wheel has faith that this fixed point is going to continue to rotate this wheel. God is that fixed point for us. That he is, we get to look to him as the steadfast creator. He is fixed. He is unchanging. So what? What kind of application can we pull from this? We can rest in his unchanging will. We can rest in his unchanging purpose. We can rest in his perfection, rest in his promises. Do we know that the Lord fights for you? Do you guys know that? That he fights for you? That he gives, you, he gives strength to the weary? That he has plans for you to prosper? I think we just kind of sang that in one of the songs. He has plans for you to prosper, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope for a future? Do we trust that? Do we trust that? And let's get honest here. Um, I think I do sometimes. I think I do sometimes. 
but if I'm truly honest, uh, when things go wrong in my life personally, I waver from that trust of God. When, when um, me and Christina were first trying to have a kid, uh, we lost a baby. And I was, we were broken about it. And we just, I felt like I was angry with God. I didn't trust that he knew what was right for me. I didn't trust that he had the plans for me to prosper and my family to prosper. About nine months ago, we were uh, pregnant with two twins and we lost those, those children. We were angry. I didn't trust that God had a purpose. I didn't trust that he, he knew what was right in my life. All I knew was that moment of grief and sadness. But when we trust, when he's our fixed point, even when these things happen to us, right? Even when the world pushes against us, when he's the fixed point in our lives, even though we can waver from our trust for him, we still go back to him. He's the fixed point. He's unchanging. Our hope completely lies in him. And that brings me uh, to my next uh, point, our unchanging hope. Our unchanging hope. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. So the Lord does not change, and we are not destroyed. You see, I feel like we need a little bit of context in Malachi. And I can go a whole bunch of different ways here in Malachi, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to channel this in one certain direction with the backdrop of God being unchanging. You see, in the book of Malachi, God shows his immutability in the midst uh, of a, co a covenantal case he has brought to his people. Malachi is like an episode of law and order. And Malachi is presenting a trial between God and his people. And sometime after uh, the Israelite people, the Jewish people came and rebuilt the temple, uh, they were Jewish exiles, God sends Malachi over to deliver this dispute with his people because they were not doing as God intended things to go. They were not following uh, God's laws. They weren't following his decrees. And these were just a few of those charges. And Randy kind of hit on some of this. So now i got to like throw half my sermon out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we're going to go over this slightly again. Uh, some of these charges were idolatry. That the Jewish people had idolatry in their life. They were worshiping other gods. They were going to different nations. Um, this was one of the charges. Um, another charge was God's, uh, they were giving God leftover sacrifices. God asks um, for the most uh, unblemished animal as a sacrifice, the perfect gift, not leftovers. And we can kind of think that within tithing too, right? As Randy was talking about that. Um, but they are giving the sickly, skinny uh, animals as sacrifices. They weren't honoring God whatsoever. They were giving his, the leftovers to him. Um, their sexuality, their marriages, they did what they wanted to do. They, they, <laughs> that's basically it. They did what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it. They married um, outside of God's traditional uh, ways of how he wanted things to go. They wanted to do their own thing. And then their tithes. They were withholding their tithes. And God specifically says in Malachi, you're robbing from God's house. You're robbing from God's house. So 
ultimately, they were skeptical of who God was and his, the promises that he gives. In the midst of bringing these charges to his people, God reminds them that in the face of their unchanging, or their changing, their rejection of, them, of him, uh, their unfaithfulness, their constantly wavering, doubting, and disobedience, that he, that God, is entirely different from them because he does not change. God remains firmly committed to his promises. So if we were in the courtroom, like we were just talking about, right, if we were in the courtroom of law and order, they would have been found guilty of their sins, uh, deserving death. But the reason his people, God's people weren't destroyed is because God himself will fulfill his promise of saving his people from their sins. That he will, he will seek that out. You see, people just like today are skeptical of God. We're skeptical of them. We have unfaith. Uh, we're unfaithful. We have unbelief deep within our heart. We, and just like them, cared more of the created things of this world that's perishable than God who is steadfast and unchanging. And if you don't think so, just look at what we invest in. What do we put our time, our money into? The great late theologian, Pastor Billy Graham, said this. If you want to know your, the idols you worship, print out a statement of your bank account. Where your money goes is where your heart lies. They, are we as people investing in the treasures of earth that are temporary, that fade away, that constantly changes? Are we as people investing in the kingdom of God? But as people, we don't really like change, right? Who doesn't like change? Am I the only one? I'm all, okay, I'm the only one. <laughs> Okay. I know. <laughs> My rebuke. Okay, so maybe you're saying, oh, well, I like change. I like change in my life. My rebuttal would be, we like change when it's predictable. We like change when we know it's coming, when it benefits us. But when sudden change happens without warning, this gives us a sense of uncertainty. We're shaken, easily wavered, stressed out, maybe even angry. It reminds us that we're not in control. And we're not in control of our lives. And those grasping at the comfort of certainty of the things of this world are always reminded that the only certainty itself is change itself. That is our only certainty and it's not very comforting thought, though, right? Like just reading that, I'm like, man, I'm feeling a little stressed out right now. <laughs> but that's not comforting to know that a certainty is change, that we're going to be changing. But it's not very accurate either. The closer truth is to say that the, 
the only certainty is God himself who does not change. But as human beings, we find it far easier to try to seek assurance in intangible things that give us at least the convincing impression that it's unchanging. Let's just think about ourselves for a minute. So if God is immutable, he's unchanging, that means we're mutable creatures, right? We're constantly changing. Our beliefs change. Our ages change, right? Our ages change. Our knowledge changes. It grows and it contracts. Our style changes. That's why we don't have a bunch of people with bell-bottom jeans and some, you know, like our style changes. Who knows what in another hundred years what the style is going to look like? I don't even know. Our living conditions change. Our jobs change. Our finances change. Our relationships change. Our trust change. Our love changes. Again, anxiety. Anxiety. Everything changes. We long, as human beings, we long for an unchanging relationship with one who doesn't change. One who not only keeps his promises, but is unchanging his very being as a promise keeper. And we find this in Jesus Christ. He is our fixed point. He is the rock of our salvation. But sometimes we project this security of immutability on things. We project the security of unchanging on things, on others and ourselves. And in truth, and in absolute truth, we are telling temporary things, changing things. I need you to be God. Please just stay the same. Please just stay the same. The stuff of this, the things, the stuff of this world will fade away. It's all meaningless. Again, welcome to church. It's all meaningless. The things of this earth, the material stuff is all meaningless. Uh, Ecclesiastes says it's hevel, which means vapor. It's like trying to catch the wind. My son was trying to catch the wind the other day. It was hilarious. <laughs> It was really a leaf, but the wind was blowing pretty hard. And he was just, I'm like, you're never going to catch it. <laughs> That's what it's like when we're trying to grasp our identity in things of this world. It's all heaven. It all fades away. We long for unchanging things. We long for it. But these things of this world are not unchanging. They're not immutable. But we also project immutability on others and ourselves, making people to be like God, unchanging or claiming uh, to be like God. And we say it in these simple words, in these simple words, always and never. Always and never. And I can't think of a better example than when we argue with each other. Here we go. You never listen when I talk to you. You always leave your towel on the floor. <laughs> you never, or you're never ready on time. 
We always have to clean my room. That was from Abigail. We always. So these always and nevers. When we apply these terms, always and never, to people, we speak an untruth, for one thing. We don't always or never anything because we're not that consistent. <laughs> we're not that consistent. As infinite, mutable, created creatures, we cannot lay claims to these. They can only be true and spoken of a God who is unchanging. The way we claim, and then also a way that we claim immutability unchanging is by saying uh, for ourselves personally, I cannot change. I cannot change. Or this certain situation in my life will never change. It's untrue and it's a lie from the pit of hell. The only thing that is unchanging, the only certainty, the only fixed point in this world is that God is unchanging. We are constantly changing. Constantly. And we have to grasp onto that. So the, the question really is this. Where does our unchanging hope lie in? What do we put our unchanging hope in? Is it in the things of this world? Is it in stuff, material? I mean, that could be an application. Go print out your bank, bank account check. Go see where you spend your money. You'll find it. You'll find the idol in your life. You'll find the thing that you claim as God in your life. But the reality behind it is those things fade away. They're constantly changing. Or do we put our unchanging hope in the one who is unchanging? In Jesus and scripture says that he's the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Do we put our trust in Jesus because he's the one that says, my blood is pouring out for you. You're white as snow. Where do we put our changing hope in? Because if we put it in, the things of this world fade away. And it's like shifting sand. We're going to sing a song after this. It's like shift, building a house on shifting sand. It's all, it's just going to crumble. But if we build it on Jesus, he is the solid rock of our salvation. Our unchanging hope is in Jesus. So I want to read this scripture before I start wrapping this up. Matthew 7, 24, uh, verse, uh, 24 through 27 is going to be here up on this slide. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does, does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So my application for this is, it's really a statement and then some truths. Idolatry takes hold of us when we depend on a human relationship, a circumstance or a position to never leave or forsake us, to always remain the same. Idolatry takes hold of us when we believe that 
a difficult relationship or circumstance will never change, will always be hopeless, wounding, and sorrowful. But here are three truths to topple these gods, these idols in our life. For every circumstance you encounter, or every circumstance you encounter will change except the circumstances of your forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. Every possession you own will pass away except the rock of your salvation. And every relationship you enter into will waver except your adoption by your heavenly father. And I'm going to close this whole sermon series with a quote by Jen Welkin. There is no rock but the rock of salvation. No human heart is so hard that it cannot be or cannot soften it, not even yours. Turn loose the idolatry of your always and nevers. Those words are not only true. Those words are only true to God. Ask him to change what you have believed to be beyond the power of his grace to alter. Our God of infinite sameness is a rock. When all around us is shifting sand, may we cry out to him, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for I, for you have been my refuge. Psalms 21, or 61, verse 2. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the rock of our salvation, Lord. Uh, we just thank you, Lord. We ask that you would help us as we go out today, that you would help us just grasp onto our, our changingness, but your unchangingness, Lord, that we would uh, have faith, that we would, uh, you would grow that faith within us, Lord, that even despite the circumstances that we go through, that life is hard, that you are that fixed point, Lord, that we can hold on to who you are, Lord. We can have faith in what you say and what you will do, Lord, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.